1: Welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom, to One on One, a KC Sports Network podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mike DeVito, here with nine-year NFL veteran and KC Chiefs Super Bowl champion Jeff Allen. And we're here to bring you all things Chiefs football, as always, from a player's perspective. We're one and two, Jeff. A lot of tough things to talk about. A lot of optimistic things to talk about as well. But before we even get into it, we have a special guest, BJ, what's up, brother? Talk to us, man. What what are you hanging with us today? You need to do this all the time, man. This would be one on two or something. You got (laughs) to hang.
2: I was was popping on talking to you guys for about the first ten minutes, and then I got to bounce out and take care of life. But uh, I wanted to pop on because we have a special announcement to make. I know Jeff and I have been talking uh, over the past, you know, few weeks. It seems like, but. Um, we have a special announcement at KC Sports Network and a new campaign that we have for the rest of the Chief season, and uh, that uh, it's called Feed It Forward, our Teacher Appreciation Campaign. We are going to be sending a hundred Cookie Society cookies every week to a different school in the Kansas city area for teachers and staff to have is just a special thank you for everything that teachers have had to go through to, to support and educate our kids during these Mm. COVID times. Um, My wife and I did feed it forward uh, a year ago with taking care of some first responders or not first responders, some front from frontline healthcare workers. And now we're trying to do the same thing with teachers and, and Jeff uh, you guys were so nice with cookie society that we figured out a way to make it work and give back to the community in a way that I know was, was important
3: to both of us. Definitely. I think teachers have one of the hardest, if not the hardest, professions of them all and the most important. I mean, especially early on in life, those are the people that impact you the most. Um, we all have kids. We know how tough they are sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm always giving my teachers gifts, uh, my kids, teachers, at least um, to, make, to tell them. Thank you. Um, I think this is part of it. We need to always you know, show appreciation for those that are taking care of so many children and um, impacting our futures. Um, because children are the future
1: guys it's incredible i'm I'm homeschooling my two boys over here and i've gotten a taste of it this year of how difficult it is now i have just two of my own kids to homeschool and i had something go down my car needed a repair you know it ended up breaking down it's but it was a frustrating deal and i remember that happened early in the morning and then i had to homeschool my kids throughout the day and about 20 minutes in i was like i'm done I can't <laughs> even focus. You know, and this is a minor thing dealing with my own two kids and I can't finish the day. These teachers go in 20, 30 kids. They're dealing with all this stuff they got going on in life. And they got to try to compartmentalize that and focus on raising the next generation. So that's fantastic what you two are doing and what, what cooking society and KCSN. I mean, that's just amazing. And and Jeff, you were talking before about some of the new stuff that's coming out in October. Yeah. What, what kind of stuff are we sending them, brother?
3: Well, well. Well, we're sending them September's flavors right now, but we're transitioning over to October soon. We're, I've been getting a ton of, you know, DMs. Um, people are adding me right now in my comments or my my, my tweet my Twitter section saying we're sold out, and that's because of Travis and Patrick. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I appreciate you guys, you know, tweeting about the cookies, but it, it, it put us in a little pinch right there. They took all the cookies. So we're sold out until October 1st. Um, that's Friday. It's coming up soon, but with it being a new month, means there's a new menu um we're gonna have a pumpkin spice cookie a it's gonna be a chocolate based cookie with peanut butter reese's um like the reese's pieces um what else we're gonna have i'm really excited about this menu there's a twix cookie so i think she's calling it something else for you know Legal I want
2: that shirt. I want that shirt. that's Make cookies, cookies. and football.
3: I that's should it. say you can well, play football, that's but, it. I think <laughs> that's a
1: commandment. That's in scripture somewhere. That's
3: a verse. yeah, man. But it's an exciting month. It's Halloween, so there's a lot of treats this month. I'm excited about it. I think everyone else will be too.
1: What is what? What is the cookie? Have you tasted the pumpkin spice yet?
3: Yeah, so that that's a that's a staple. Every oh. every fall season, usually in October, um, pumpkin spice comes out. She, I get made works.
1: fun of up here because I love it. I go to Dunkin' yeah. Donuts, Pumpkin Spice, everything. And she makes make a pumpkin
3: pie cookie or a pumpkin pie and stuffs it in the cookie. Um, <sighs> Who's know, the
2: taste tester? Whose job is it just to sit there and try all these and be like, you know what?
3: It's not good. It used, to, it used to be me primarily, but I started to gain a few pounds. So Ooh. I shifted <laughs> it off to, you know, some other folks. Um, but man, those things are amazing.
1: Oh, that's great.
2: No, so I've, We're, we're looking forward to this guys. And I know the three of us talked about this a few weeks ago and the idea was kind of coming to fruition and we were talking through it and, uh, we were all kind of on the same page and um, and wanted to support and, and everything that we're doing with KC Sports Network, and what you guys are doing with your show and what the lab guys are doing, that there needed to be some sort of way to bring it all together with the Kansas City community and yeah. figured that uh, sending cookies is always a good thing, especially ones as good as as these are, and uh, obviously taking care of teachers. I come from a family of teachers. My mom is a teacher. My sister is an elementary school teacher in Kansas City, so uh, I hear firsthand everything they have going on. And then on top of the 100 cookies that we're sending, we have a little campaign out of it. And that for every subscriber that we pick up for our Substack, so our daily newsletter that comes out with more of the in-depth analysis breakdown, for anyone that pays for our subscriber newsletter, which is $50 a year, uh, ends up being like 12 cents per newsletter uh, but anybody who pays that for the year we're going to send an additional five cookies to five teachers in the Kansas City community so if you're on the fence about whether or not you want to support it and you need that one more thing to feel to get over the edge and feel good about it know that if you, sub- you support us with the with a subscription to our newsletter you're also sending some cookies to teachers who absolutely deserve it in the Kansas City area. So yeah, that's all I Jeff, got for feed it forward, teacher appreciation, but appreciate you guys uh, Let me talk about a little bit here. I appreciate oh, you. Yeah, thanks,
1: BJ. And I was just going to say the one thing that uh, – and I know Jeff can attest to this. I read those newsletters, and <laughs> I, I can't believe how technical and advanced our staff is. I mean, our guys really know the game of football. Like I'm reading this thinking, wow, I watched that game too. And I didn't get any of that stuff. I mean, yeah. these guys really
2: know what they're talking about.
3: <laughs> that same, same man. I'm like, man, I, I need to do a little bit more work. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: was <just> like what? <laughs>
3: and there's such a fine line. And guys, I've joked about this
2: with you because there is such a fine. This is not what this show should be about. But there's such a fine line with breaking down film and analysis, and that fine line of knowing that you can know the game and you can teach the game, educate people at some level with anything that you see. Well, at the same time, not crossing those lines of establishing blame or saying this is what's happening when you don't know what's happening necessarily, it doesn't mean you have to know everything to be able to, to kind of talk about something. But those guys, the lab guys, Craig Stout, Kent Swanson, Matt Land—they do such a good job of writing that line, of educating people, but not going so far as to pretend to know what the scheme or the responsibilities. That's it's a very nuanced thing that I joked about with you guys even back when you were playing, um, but they they handle that really really well, and I'm glad you guys say that and appreciate that because it is something as guys who and I ran through this didn't play the game but created content, did some X's and O's. What I would call X's and O's was basically like highlighting things away from the ball. That's all it really was. But um, I appreciate you guys saying that. And I know that means a lot to those guys as well to, to be validated by guys who played the game at that level, um, knowing how much time and effort they put into their content.
1: Yeah, they do a fantastic job. and And it certainly is a fine line. I remember Gosh, it was tough in New York. Everybody in New York was a was a DC and an OC. I mean, every <laughs> all the B right, everybody knew everything they were talking about. And you'd you'd pick up the tabloids and look, look at the stuff and be like, you know, they'd have the plays diagrammed and it would be totally off. Yeah, sure. You know, not even close. And, you know, and they're calling people out in the article and and it's just like, I can't like. So you lose respect from the players when you Even as a four-player though, know, Jeff, you and I will always asterisk what we're saying, like, this is what it looked like.
3: Yeah, but
1: I don't know what the I don't have a clue. No yeah. one knows
3: exactly what's going on in exactly. any locker room unless you, unless you're in there. So, you know, proceed with caution if you're in the media. You know, yeah. say what you see from your your viewpoint, your perspective, but also add that at the end of the day, no one really knows unless right. you're there.
2: <laughs> and and it also doesn't mean you don't that fans shouldn't have an opinion or be able to no, no, you discussion because I'm not going to be a hypocrite like I did that, but yeah. I felt like I always scooted the line pretty well of being like, I don't know, like I'm not yeah. going to go in on somebody unless I know I'm right.
3: But that's what when we got it, to the, that's, once I was the chief
2: guy, I was like, can't do that anyways, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, That's what makes yeah.
3: it so great. I mean, I think opinions should I'm not sure. No, sorry. That's my watch. I think opinions should be, you know, should be heard. You know, people should be able to say what they see and how they feel at the end of the day. It's not you know, about condemning someone when they're wrong. Um, it's just about when those moments when you are wrong, admitting it and, and getting better. Uh, so,
1: Yeah, and that's what our guys do well. They really do walk that line very well where you don't get that arrogance or that know-it-all. But at the same time, again, as a former player, reading the stuff, listening to the stuff, Craig's stuff, uh I'm just like wow that is that is really rich in content and like I'm I'm like man I wish I brought that to one on one sometime like, these guys really know the game so yeah so that's good that's good everybody
4: check what you out. guys
2: think is just like common knowledge is like the interesting stuff to us and that's yeah. what i always when i talk with you guys like i don't think you understand what we find interesting and we as <laughs> and just like fans in general yeah. like just the process stuff we talk about it all the time just the process oriented thing so that leads me to the question i just wanted to ask both of you because the teams wanted to first time I, they've had a losing record since 2015 Uh, The sky is falling for a lot of people on Twitter, which is not the place to go to (laughs) after back to back (laughs) losses. Um, And I'm not the person to talk to because you don't fumble the ball three times or turn it over three times in the red zone. You don't have this problem. Like they played off and they still almost won. That's my takeaways. Everybody's healthy. And just don't turn the ball over and you're okay. But from your guys' perspective, when there's a side of the ball, and right now it seems to be the defense, like they're struggling in ways that it's consistently, it seems like it's the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. What kind of changes can you make in the middle of the season? You can't just completely switch schemes and go completely opposite of what you've been preparing for all season. So how what kind of changes can you make? Michael, let's have you go first. Like defensively, when you're struggling, how much can you actually change once you get into the season?
1: Yeah, you know, Jeff talked about this right at the beginning, and I thought it, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, and I thought it made a lot of sense, and I I hadn't thought of it until he brought it up, but defenses do take a little bit to get going at the beginning of the year, right? For some reason, we start off fast in training camp, but then once the regular season gets going, sometimes it's hard to get the rhythm going. It's hard to get just that sort of swagger, that flow, and that's really what defense is. I mean, you can cover a lot of problems just going out there being confident and everybody – what Rex Ryan used to say singing out of the same hymnal, right? Everybody playing on the same page, having fun a hundred miles an hour, and having that swagger and that passion and enjoying it. And that stuff I've seen from the Chiefs in the past with these same guys, right? Even when things were tough, you see these guys smiling. You know, I see Chris smiling, I see Honey Badger smiling, I hear them laughing. You know, you see them on their sideline. When you have a defense that's like that, you are you are good to go. You are uh, you know, no matter what, these guys are going to be able to bounce back because they have this juice, this energy about them. Um, I think they just need to get to that point. I, when it comes to the actual technical stuff, one thing that really helped me that I tried to work on it personally, individually, but I think as a group, it, it really, you know, you, you go out and you focus on, you know, whatever the game plan is, whatever you have to do, you're preparing, but then you're also trying to focus on fixing the things that you can fix from the week before. And what I mean by that is, you don't take the whole aggregate of stuff. Uh, there's just not enough time to fix everything. But it's like, okay, what is the primary issue right now? Yeah. Okay, you know, maybe pass rush up front. Like we didn't we didn't get home last week, and we know that the secondary needs our help up front or whatever that is. And that needs to be a point of emphasis throughout the week, and not just, hey, we say it on Wednesday meetings when we get back in, and then we move on. But every single you know day, we're reiterating, hey, listen. We're, we're working on this. We're working on that pass rush. It's a mindset, intentional all the time. Um, and I go back to that 2015 season when we were, you know, when we started one and five, and I've said it a million times, but I think it's worth rehearsing again. That's exactly what Andy Reid said to us in that team meeting, you know, after we, you know, had lost that fifth game. He said, look, we're just going to focus on whatever's next on the schedule and we're going to do it perfect, right? Whatever it is next on the stuff, just winded that thing. And so I guess what I'm trying to take, from that is figure out what you need to fix and then intentionally thinking about that, getting that right throughout the week as you prepare for the team you're going to play for. I did that individually. We did that as a group, as a defensive line. Like, hey, we're struggling against the run. Okay, all week we're talking to each other. We're communicating. Let's call out the back sets. Let's call out the personnel, the down and distance. Let's make sure that the things that we can handle here, we are handling. Let's really critique each other. Let's make sure the scout team's working hard to give us these looks, get on those guys. Um, so there's a you know, it's it's just about being intentional. And that's why I don't worry about this team. I think I think more of it is what Jeff said uh back at the beginning of the season, where it's just they gotta find that swagger, they gotta yeah. find that groove. And I think once that gets going, uh, I think we're gonna see a total shift in what you know, a total paradigm shift in what we see on defense, not not scheme-wise, but just the uh, quality of play that we see on Sundays because the guys on this team, I know, like if there was no leadership, right? If I looked at the roster on defense and I was worried about the guys that were on there, then I would say, hey, we got a problem because there's nobody really can lift us out of here. We don't have leaders. We don't have good players. That's not the case. We have good players. We have had we have great players that have played in big games that have made big plays for us. And so I think it's just a matter of getting the confidence back, getting the swagger back. And I think part of it too is, I think you do need to focus on being a little bit more technical. Uh, I think, and I'll I want to ask Jeff about this, but it does seem like defenses have started to figure out Mahomes, Kels, and Hill. Not perfectly, of course. We're still putting up good points, but I don't think the defense can be wild, wild west all the time anymore. I think they, you know, making stops now really is important because I think yeah. the, you know, it doesn't seem like the offense the offense isn't doing well but you know I feel like like San Diego seemed like they had a good plan and they were able to slow things down at least comparatively to what we normally see on offense from KC and I think that's just a matter of them figuring you know teams figuring out KC so I, okay go ahead Jeff sorry. No
3: I definitely was going to talk about that I think you're spot on with this I guess this analysis teams I don't I don't want to say they figured them out but they have a way to slow the team down a little bit yeah, I'm not yeah. The offense is still playing well besides the turnovers. They're still doing what they're supposed to do. They're still driving down the field. But defenses, they're basically saying, take away Kelsey, take away Hill. Kelsey's still putting up numbers. Yeah. I mean, Hill's getting his, you know, his touches still. But take away the big play primarily. Keep those safeties deep. Make the offense you know, go long drives because, I mean, hey, it gives us a better chance to get a turn- turnover. Right. Don't give up the big play. Keep everything in front of you and pray to God that they don't get in the end zone. Yeah, um, and cool. I think that's the best approach going against the Chiefs. I was looking at the game. I was thinking, like, God, do we have another playmaker, you know, on the outside that, you know, that can make a play besides Kelsey and Hill because they're taking them away. I think Clyde did a good job of running the ball. But we're passing offense. I mean, yeah. that's that's what we do. That's what historically Andy Reid's always done. Right. Um, so I was, I was like, we need somebody else in there. And hopefully this signing of Josh Gordon, Um, could be something later down the road. I don't think it's going to be an impact right away. It's going to take him some time. He's been away from the game a long time. Um, So he's got a lot to to do to catch up, but maybe that's the guy. Go ahead, BJ. I was
2: just going to ask about that because I wanted to bring up, get your guys' perspective on when like a new veteran player like that comes into the locker room and that, you know, how much of the outside noise and a lot of people seeing Josh Gordon and almost Willie Gay Jr., who's injured second-year linebacker, as – it, right, wrong, and different it's not fair to them. They're seen as the fixes to the one and two problems, even though we know that's not the realistic way. Yeah. Narratives being spun, not fair to them. So what's it like as a player, knowing that that's the story on the outside that's being told? to welcome somebody like that into your locker room with the guys that you've been grinding with throughout training camp and getting a lot of that just kind of feel. You guys talked about it during camp of not liking camp, but knowing that it's important because he's now going to step into a situation where he's going to be counted on with a tight group of people that you guys understand that culture of that. I'm not going to pretend to know what it's like in other places, but I trust you guys when you say it's not like that other places, what's it like for Josh Gordon coming into that situation?
3: I would say um, for the most part, guys just want to win. So it isn't that big of a deal. I do think directly um, whatever positions brought in to fill that role, avoid, you know, that the media speaks about, it may be a little tension in there. Um, but, I mean, Josh may never ever touch the field. He may elevate the play of the guy that's in that current spot now because he feels some pressure or something like that. It's just all about creating competition, about making the team better. And at the end of the day, we're all professionals. You can get mad all you want. Um, the only way you silence all the noise is, is do your job and do it well. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. we all know that. That's not anything we're not going to pout. Um, usually the guys that do pout shouldn't be there anyway. Yeah. It's I mean, the yeah. Prag- yeah.
2: level of pragmatism that you guys have that I felt like I had just as like a – honestly, not that I played at a high level, but like baseball as a relief pitcher. it's you got to get to the next pitch. Like it sounds like such a cliche thing in life, but like, that's all my life was. So very used to just like clear it, forget about the past, move on to the next thing. And I, I feel like fans don't, a lot of fans don't understand that. And I don't want to call fans out saying you could tell which fans didn't play sports at a high level because they don't know what it's like to fail, have to go back to the drawing board, fix whatever it was and then go back and do it again Mm because they haven't gone through that process. I think most, athletes or people that have failed before and then came back, worked at something, committed to something at level, understand that when it doesn't go the way that you want, you don't sit back and complain about it for six days on Twitter. You literally are in the film. Like you try to clear your head about it to get your mind right and get your body yeah. right. right. And then you're right back to work.
3: I, I'm going to disagree you with you, BJ. Okay. I, I, I do think that most people go through stuff and some people persevere through things. The only difference is we we do it in front of the, the world. <laughs> people get to see it. So it's a little bit more pressure um, and people get to see how we react. So there's a lot more criticism. There's a lot more, you know, people having comments about it. Um, I think that's the biggest difference. But yeah, we all go through stuff at the end of the day. People have to figure out, you know, how they're gonna do their job better, whatever industry they're in. Um, we're all replaceable. Yeah. <laughs> we all can get fired at any given moment. Um, and I think the, the thing that we all need to know is just do our jobs. <laughs> yeah. And
1: that's a constant, that's constant. I mean, that's just reality in the NFL. Yeah. Like I wouldn't see uh, Gordon coming in there and now all of a sudden you have this rift or explode, you know, the, this sort of top, Now, now we have a toxic locker room. First, you have great leaders that are that can't wait to get him in there and out on that field because they know, you know, he's going to, he can produce, uh, especially what you see what him did in a short time in New England. Um but that's just sort of the reality in the NFL. You just yeah. realize, yeah, this is just, there's competition. I mean, that's, that's what this is. And, you know, and you're right, it, it brings everybody up. The, the guys that, when you bring in competition, start to pout and get on Twitter and all this stuff, those are usually, like Jeff said, those are the guys that shouldn't be in the locker room anyway. And it certainly ain't going to happen in Kansas City. Um, so yeah. I'm, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's only plus. I, I think it's a no-lose situation for Kansas City. I think the one thing that's worth noting, and this is from a player's perspective. I'm sure Gordon had other options to go other places. Yeah. But he chose the one and two Chiefs. Like he probably could have went to the Raiders at three and 0 and he probably could have went to Denver. Uh. But he chose the Chiefs. So I just want to know, like, so I know it seems like the you know everything's caving in on us right now. But I guarantee you, if you pulled the players around the league and they were being honest, you know, if I was coming back, I would rather be in KC than in mm-hmm. Oakland. I You, know, yeah. you know, Peyton, though, I'd rather be in KC when you're talking about what, what is the what is the future look like? Um, so I think that that was what I thought when I first saw that. Not not the other stuff, but just was like, yeah, he had other offers, but he knew the right place to be. You know, the team that gave him the best chance to win a Super Bowl is Kansas City, even at one and two. You know, yeah. That's what I, was saying. I
3: mean, we're one and two. I mean, our records are record. A lot of things can be true at once. Right. Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs are still a good football team. Patrick Mahomes, still the best quarterback in the NFL. Right. And they can turn this thing around in a heartbeat. But you know, they just have to do it at the end of the day. Um, I mean, we, Like you said, we had four turnovers against um, the Chargers last week. And we lost by one score. That's I mean, ridiculous. that doesn't happen. I mean, I've been on teams where we have four turnovers. Forget it. It's a, it's a four-turnover game. You don't get any turnovers on defense. You lose by 21 points. Oh. And the game is over with at halftime. So that lets you yeah. know how – How good this team is, Um, the margin of error is, is, I mean, they have a lot of room to mess up (laughs) and still make up. So the sky isn't falling. The Chiefs are still a good football team. Um, And I sound like a broken record because I said this last week after the Baltimore loss, but I still feel the same way. Like, I'm not worried about it. I'm not panicking. Um, They're going to figure it out.
2: We're going to praise the leadership and we're going to at the end of the season and talk about the journey and they went through stuff and then they had to, get, they had right. to lean on the leader, like all those yeah. things that you use. And then it happens and you don't give them the time to do that. It's yeah. like, what do yeah. you do? You can't praise having all these leaders. And then when it comes time that you need to show the leadership and then you got to lean on that, you don't give them the grace to do that. Like right. it, It's hypocritical. Like let them do what you're praising them for doing. And to Mike's point, Jeff, you guys know these guys like you're just not worried about an Andy Reid led team with Patrick Mahomes, Tyron Matthew, those guys in the room of not being focused. And you don't have to make again, to your point, these wholesale changes. And Jeff, when I was going back to the, the pragmatic thing, I was just saying, athletes are wired in that afterwards you just get back to work and you fix the problem with people who weren't athletes in their lives don't understand that process. They don't understand to go back and just get to work. They just sit back and complain or they sit back and they're like, no, we got to change everything. It's like, no, yeah, we we fumbled three times. It doesn't mean we change everything. And yes, there are going to be areas of the team that aren't as strong as others. You're not going to have all pros all over the team. So there's never going to be, Hey, we want this balanced team. I was a Chiefs fan in the mid '90s. We had like a top five offense and a top five defense, and we still got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, like it yeah. didn't matter.
1: Yeah, so. and that's key too. When you're hitting, when you're on fire. I mean, if you're going to be going through this stuff, now's the time to do it. Yep. You know? Get it. Get these kinks worked out early. Finish. You know, start because you don't want to start on the like Jeff. I think about the 2013 season. Start nine and zero, and then sort of the stuff that was started to manifest, manifested too late in the season. Now it's really hard to get it fixed. And now yeah. momentum's going the other way and we're out in the first first round. So but no but I going back to the four turnovers, I I, I just it boggles my mind because four turnovers, teams going forward on fourth down, throwing the ball all over your face just to try to beat Kansas City and they do it by six points. You guys remember the the butt fumble game? Yeah. When- <laughs>
3: Mm-hmm. We're playing definitely. New
1: England at home on Thanksgiving. We had it had to be four turnovers, including the butt fumble. It was like thirty-four to nothing going in a half time. It was the only time yeah. I ever heard a coach say, "We're not going to win this game." At <laughs> it, just, it was done. <laughs> it was done. We were out. Like, no, the four of uh, four did four turnovers. It's over. Like you don't. Know, yeah. Gets a bury the football. Game, it is. You know? So I, but, but this team, you know, is right in it to the last second to win it. So yeah, this guys not falling. This guys not falling. Um, but before wanna, we get into this, Oh, go ahead, BJ. You need to get going. No,
2: yeah. I just wanted to ask guys one more question. And I, yeah. I apologize for putting you on the spot on this way. Just you guys have different perspectives because you've been around coach Reed and a lot of people talk about coach Reed. We know it had a health scare after the game, went to the yeah. hospital. Um, it was reported that he's, Already back at work, uh, which surprises nobody on this call (laughs) that it took that long uh, for him to get back to work. But when you first saw him, not asking for any information, if you know anything or don't, just what was your reaction when you saw it? And just how can you try to convey to fans what that relationship and what it's like playing for Coach Reed in the way that um, former players, whether you played for him for six months or six years. Uh they just there's a reverence that he's spoken about with so when things like what happened after the game, kind of anyone that ever played for him is around him, everything just kind of stops uh yeah. for a little bit. Just want to give you a chance to talk about that before I bounce out.
3: Yeah, we immediately start praying. My wife and I um I mean, you know, he's a he was our football, he was my football coach. But he was more than that. He was a he was a he was a mentor, he was someone that we all looked up to. Um the family atmosphere is real. I mean, the wives, you know, they go over to his house and you know they they hang with his wife Tammy, and it's just a, a different type of relationship. So obviously, we were thinking about Coach Reed and his health, but we were praying for the entire family, making sure that he was okay, not just as a coach but as a human being. And um, yeah, just hoping for the best. I mean, I didn't, I saw the reports. I didn't tweet anything about it. I, I literally that entire day, you know, I was just thinking about him. And then the next day, we got good reports, and you know, that's when I, I said something, just thankful. Um, that he's okay and him being back at work like he said it's no surprise like this guy is a worker first in last to leave I, I think he sleeps there I can't confirm that but I don't know how he's always the first guy there so the only answer is he's he's sleeping there
1: yeah yeah I and I was an early bird. I was the first I was usually you know first or second player there pitch black you know coach Reed's car was always I mean you not beating him in there <laughs> yeah uh you know, this is a scary time right now, right? I mean, you see something like that, normally you're scared. You see something like that in the sort of world that we're in now, mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, you know? So that, that I mean, that was the, the instant reaction was just to start praying. Um, but I mean, right, like out, outside of one guy, you, everybody that's ever talked about Andy Reid talks about the type of person he is first, right? But, I mean, just how incredible a man and a leader and uh, a person that he is. And it's uh, as a player, I've I've said it a million times, but it's easy to go into work and work hard day in and day out for a guy like Andy Reid because you know, he loves you. You know, he's going to bat for you. You know, even if he releases you, he's going to go to bat for you to get signed by another team. I mean, this guy is just uh, it's rare in the NFL. The NFL is really, really cutthroat as everybody knows. It's really a business. And some of the worst people, that I've been around in my life were some of the people in the offices of those teams. Uh, but Andy Reed is, uh, the antithesis of all of that. Um, yeah. and so he makes it, you know, it just, it, it, it adds obviously for any former player, former coach, you see something like that in today's world, you're going to get worried. Uh, but then you see with coach Reed, it's almost like a family member, you know, it is a family member. And so, yeah, it was scary. So to hear Ted come on the thing and talk about him today and, and, to, and say, everything was good was really, really, uh, a weight off the shoulders and we're still praying for you coach still bj let me read this tickets for less is gonna kill me man we're supposed to get this in early brother tickets for less i'm sorry we gotta we gotta get this read in are you are you hanging out some more bj you out of here
2: i was gonna bounce out but you just reminded me to remind you to do the tickets for less thing. So we'll just leave just... leave this in here and it'll be very real for everybody listening. Okay. Go do that tickets for less read and I'm gonna bounce out and go coach my kids' uh, baseball game. So BJ, thanks, one. brother. Tickets for less. Man,
1: I'm sorry. I was supposed to be doing this right away. I got all caught off. Tickets for less. You looking to score unbeatable deals on cheap tickets? My friends at Tickets for Less have you covered. Locally owned for more than 17 years, ticketsforless.com has the best selection of cheap tickets for every game. All without the outrageous taxes or per ticket service fees you find on other sites plus you can use our exclusive kcsn promos code from tickets for less to save even more use code kcsn21 at checkout to save big on any chief's order for uh at ticketsforless.com that's kcsn21 uh, at checkout so check them out tickets for less big jeff we've been going is there, what what else, did, what else did we miss anything yep. I, you know, Oh, go ahead. I I I
3: mean, we didn't miss anything. It's just been like a – it's been a while since we've lost back-to-back games, Mm. especially in this fashion with turnovers. So, I mean, this is a weird time right now, but it's easily – it's easily fixed. Um, All we have to do is not turn the ball over. I think defensively, I was really encouraged because you were talking – you were speaking about, you know, making sure you fix the one thing that's hindering you, and that's been stopping the run, and they did a really good job against – you know, the L.A. Chargers is stopping the run. It was just, right. you know, Justin Herbert, who's a really good quarterback. You got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. They got some serious weapons out there. So, you know, they kind of did what they were supposed to do. And I kind of expected that. But I was really happy to see them stop the run. I, I just wish, you know, in some critical situations, we could have got some stops. Um, I mean, we got that crazy passing interference call. I don't sure. think – I don't know if they were calling it on the on the corner, Baker. End up calling on Sorensen on TV, which he was nowhere near the play. Yeah, I did see Neiman in the middle of the field kind of tug a guy, but that wasn't pass interference. Um It's kind of a ghost call, but that's not the reason we lost the game. We lost the game because of turnovers. Um, um, that would have been an opportunity to kind of steal one, but um, it's really hard to win games with four turnovers. So yeah. credit to the Chargers. Um, they deserve that. They earned that game.
1: Yeah, and that's one thing that defense can do, can help with all this is, and Spaggs talked about this in his, his, um, his uh, press conference yesterday, or was he the yesterday or today? Um, the fact that we're not creating turnovers on defense. Yeah. and That's another thing that's easily fixable because it's a mindset thing. When we, when I was with the jets in 2012, um, we had put an emphasis on it. And the one, one thing that we did that made a big difference in practice, our defensive line coach said, but it was, it was, it was a whole defense they said you know if the if the uh scout team completes a pass or runs a football whoever can get the ball out and and you know secure it gets a dollar and we'll just keep tallying up throughout the season who can who can get it and so you'd be surprised just making it 1 dollar everybody's like running yeah. to the football you know
3: millionaires to,
1: <laughs> just a little incentive and that made a big difference guys were going after the ball on sunday uh because it just becomes you know built in habit um, so I think that that's one thing that they can certainly fix that Spags had noted. The yeah. other thing that I think is going to be important, and Spags also talked about this, is fourth down defense. I yeah. mean, I looked it up over the past three weeks. Teams have gone for it six times on fourth down, and they're four for six. So yeah. fourth down defense, you know, yeah. it's one of those things that you – I don't know, Jeff, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if I saw six four de- fourth down – attempts in a season I mean maybe I don't know yeah that's
3: that's that's not a normal thing well it's it's a normal thing when you know Patrick Mahomes is on the opposite sideline because you know I mean they they were out of field goal range they were going to kick the field goal then they realized they were out of range got the false start fourth and nine now you're thinking any team's going to punt if you're going against any other quarterback and you're like actually I know if I punt this ball I'm probably going to lose the game so Um, that's what happens. That's the Patrick Mahomes effect. That's the Chiefs' right. offense effect. Um, it's the amount of respect that other teams and defenses have, you know, for the opposing side of the ball. Um, but man, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough getting off the field on third down. You get an extra down. Um, you just gotta lock in. Though. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a critical situation, that, and that's what I was speaking about. In critical situations, getting off the field, third down, fourth right. down, making sure you get the ball back to the offense, especially on a day. You know, where we have four turnovers as a team, we all lean on one another. Um, you know, we're lacking in one part, you know, someone else picks up the slack, whether it be special teams, offense, or defense. It's great when they all come together. Um, that was one of those special days. You only have probably one or two games a year where you can truly say everything was clicking on all cylinders. It's usually, you know, we could do this better here, we can do that better, um, but but somebody has to step up and make a play on offense or defense in those critical situations during games uh, so we can get these close wins.
1: Yeah, it's big time. And and Spags talked about how they had prepared for fourth down against Baltimore the week before, but against L.A. they didn't. And he said one of the things was we didn't have any data. Like, yeah. We didn't have any reps from this. So I, I don't, I should know who the O.C. in L.A. is. up.
4: But he said we didn't have
1: any, uh, we didn't have any breakdown. He's like, so we we didn't practice it. We, and and play things, it's surprising. And I'd like to sort of dig in to figure out why. Jeff, you could probably tell me why, but the third down offenses to fourth down offenses, offenses do change in scheme, right? It, I, you know, spike said, "Well, it's kind of just like third down again." But I remember from from the from what I can remember, fourth down. When we were studying a team's fourth down package, it was usually pretty nuanced and different from what you would get, you know, on your normal first yeah. down plays. I mean, that that seems to be the case, right?
3: That's a guy to have a play. So those right. are. It's like a two point conversion. Right. It's something that you don't see out in the field. It's a special scripted play where um, you know what the defense is going to give you. Um, you know the situation. You've been studying this. You're like, I'm going to pull this out when I need it. Um, so it, it, it's a special play. So you make sure you got to get it. Um, and the Chiefs are going to see a lot of it, especially low in the low red zone. Right. You know, I have the choice to get three points or go for it on fourth and two, and possibly get six. I'm going to go for it. My my odds. You know, of, of beating the Chiefs with kicking field goals are very low, even when they turn the ball over. So, teams know they need six, six and seven points. Um, and they're going to continue to go for it. So, the defense, unfortunately, they got to get used to
1: it. Got to get used to it. That's got to be like that. That's normally during the week. That's sort of a Thursday. Hey, a couple minutes. Here's what, if we get a fourth down, here's a couple. You know, here's a, here's a breakdown, five-minute breakdown in the film room, and then you might get one play on Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Like, here's a fourth-down play. Chiefs, you know, like you said, the Pat Mahomes effect, you, you, I mean, we've seen it. You've had six six fourth-down attempts in the first three games. Like, you got to be ready for that. That's something you you're going to get often it. on defense. All right, Big Jeff, we've gone long. we got the Eagles this week. Let's get this win. We'll talk next week, Chiefs Kingdom, about the W being back on track. We'll be here happy. But thank you all for tuning in to One on One. And again, we'll see you next week after we get this W. Big Jeff, love you, brother.
4: Thanks for coming on, man. Love you Go Chiefs. Meet the Eagles. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos.